Hey, welcome to Gig Stories with Music People. I'm your host, Evan Michael, at the Space Mint Recording Studio in Los Angeles, California. This is episode 25, and my guest today is freelance drummer Matt Lesser. Matt studied drums at UC Irvine and then began playing all over LA and around the world with a ton of bands. He's performed with guitar legend Albert Lee, Breno Whitaker, Austin Hanks, Gian Moss, Kay Akaji, and a ton more. We played together a number of times with uh, Urban Grass, who, by the way, I'm playing with this Saturday, February 26th at Hanano Cafe in Venice. Matt currently stays busy performing and recording with a variety of bands and is available for hire, so hit him up. Find out more at mattlessermusic.com, at mattlesserdrums. I'm at Evan on the Bass, studio at the underscore spacement, podcast at Gig Stories with Music People. Follow, share, help us out, get the word out. And uh, yeah, episodes every other Tuesday. Let's get to it. Enjoy. You want to jump in? Let's do it. Awesome, man. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Good you. to have you. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Let's talk. Let's uh, jump in and just kind of talk about your music career. Because, I mean, you played with... I feel like you play with everybody. <laughs> like, you've been around. I play a lot around this town. And uh, I, always, I always feel like a lot of uh, deficient on uh, marquee names when people ask me what's going to be going on. But it's just, you know, it's just a big mix of... Yeah, all kinds of different people and and gigs and local and some travel stuff and you know so just the freelance shuffle. Is, yeah, yeah. Do you like like that? You know, not really having a, a set you know project that you're you're beholden to. Do you like that? There's aspects that that I think suit my personality type. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, I, I've been part of bands a lot over the years, um, and I really, you know, that's a special, that's its own thing. You know, you guys are growing together, and you're really a band. Um, but the freelance thing, there is aspects that I really like about it. I like, you know, the variety. I've really come to love that about, you know, my job, just always doing different styles yeah. week to week, day to day. And um, and I just, I don't know. I think I'm the kind of person I like the unknown quality of the lifestyle. I like, I kind of like the, oh shit, like what's what's next month look like? <laughs> like how's it going to work out? And then it does work out. And then sometimes, you know, something really cool comes down the pipe. Yeah. And if you already knew what was going to happen, like you had like a set schedule... It just wouldn't be as exciting, I guess. <laughs> but it's not for everybody. Totally. You know, some people really need the. That's just not the way their brain works. You know, it's just too stressful for them. Sure. So, yeah. Well, it's a totally different uh, mindset. Yeah. And beast. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely like benefit benefits to both, and I've been in both worlds totally multiple times. And like when I first uh, was gigging around LA, it was it was definitely like seven bands eight bands you know like all over the place and then like i had i got an opportunity to play with a band it was like if you're in the band like you have to like it was it was at least the most like paid paid highest paid opportunity i'd had come along at that point Uh and it was like 
Well, if you're like, you can't really sub that. Like, you could sub, you know, every once in a while. Right, but right. it was one of those cover bands where it was like, you know, four sets a night, mm-hmm. if not five. And it was like to sub to sub that on bass is a lot to yeah. ask. Yeah. And so it was kind of just this like, yeah, if you sub this out too much, like it's not going to work out. So right. I really had to pare down. And then I guess before that, before LA, it was more like I was in bands. Sure. For sure. And and then it kind of went back and forth where I, I, I got kind of burnt out and like just being too much in one band mm-hmm. and went back to the the freelance thing and then went back again where it was like another opportunity where it was like, no, this is your band if you're in it. Right. I was like, ah, okay, I'll try it again. So yeah. I've been back and forth and it's it's different. It's tough, you know. It's, yeah. it's definitely the kind of thing of uh, the grass is greener. In any situation you're in, you're like, if you're not in a band, you're like, oh, man, I just want to be, you know. My bros. With the, my bros or my <laughs> bros and sisters and, and just be part of like a family thing, which is that. And be part of totally the writing, true. too. Yeah, totally. Be part, part of the of whole process, the whole creative process. And, you know, um, when you're freelancing, you're just kind of like a you just sliding in and trying to sound like you've been in the band for right. 10 years. Um, Which you're good at. I I try. <laughs> I guess it's it's kind of like it's also something you can get better at where people just go, yeah. hey, man, you know this song? Like, no. Well, we're going to play it right now. Oh, okay. So you just, your ears get bigger and, <laughs> you know, you just get a little better at, at that, at that muscle. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, like, as far as like subbing out stuff, you know, everyone kind of has their own way that they do it and how much they can sort of stomach. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like I, you're probably the same way. I mean, when I grew up, it was all about bands. Yeah. Well, of course. It was just like I was reading Mon Drummer magazine when I was a kid and just, you know, all you know, we all grew up like idolizing these these bands and these musicians and bands and and I just figured I'd just do that, you know. You just I'm just gonna go get good and uh then I'm gonna be in a band and then that band's gonna get quote unquote signed and then the the path will just be laid at your at your feet. Right. You just feel like you're just gonna be in one band forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's or, that was or the, not. that was like the the narrative or the fairy tale was just like it just, you know, you just work hard, get good, and it'll just kinda work out. And you know, it's just been interesting, you know, um, doing what you have to do to make a living. And I just found that's what I had to do. Was kinda be the the freelance guy and Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's kinda what how it's taken shape. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's cool, and I, I mean you've done a lot of touring and stuff, and yeah. I saw uh, you know occasionally I'll see your your posts on on Instagram, and like you you the one I was remembering was like you just did Alaska not that long ago, right? Yeah, uh, there's Which, a band, so that that's a like that's an interesting one to bring up because like that's a band that you know they do have a sort of rotating list of some of the positions in that band rose's pawn shop it's an americana rock band original band yeah but it's more of a band quality like i you know i've we've all played together enough and and toured together and it's become like okay this feels like a band even though not every member can make every gig so that's it's a i like chart. situations like that i like you know? that too yeah, yeah. where there's like 
two or three of each kind of yeah instrument yeah uh, where everybody you know it's still kind of like a family totally but and, there's a depth chart totally and <laughs> and most uh, bands that I've encountered that kind of have longevity that's what they seem to do you at know, least they, in LA I yeah. wonder if that's more of a big city mm. like of the big music city thing right or if it's it's uh, more widespread but it definitely seems like in LA especially if you want to play with like good working professional musicians right. like they're gonna have more than one project they're probably. gonna have opportunities <laughs> and it's gonna come down to different aspects of the of each gig you know whatever you know the type of music you're trying to play and the money and I think you're right you know good players are gonna have opportunities and uh, that's what made them good you know is by kind yeah. of being thrown into the fire all these things and so it's kind of a weird chicken the egg situ- situation with <laughs> good players but um i think that i think you're right i think that in big cities people also have the luxury of like being able to draw from this pool of really talented people which is not probably the case in smaller cities you just don't have that that many people to choose from you know smaller pond smaller pond yeah so um i think you know we're spoiled in a town like this where there's just like everyone there's so many good players and so it's you kind of forget that you'd be on a gig sometimes with someone that's subpar and you're oh i forgot what this feels like right to play with someone that you're trying to pull along usually it's like everyone is at least very good they might not be your favorite player but like oh they're totally you know yeah handling the job and that's a good point it you know it and it it, that is i don't know if you can shed any more light onto that feeling like i most people who listen to this probably know that feeling but uh, to be on a gig and and feel like you yeah you're like pulling someone along or like mm. uh, yeah it's no fun it's no fun <laughs> <laughs> it's a bummer yeah it is a bummer um, but you know I guess the healthy way to approach that is to realize if it's the right person if they're hungry and they're you know earnest and they're willing to get better you know realize that you were that person or you are that person if you're playing with people that are <laughs> yeah. you know better than you you know so that's the healthy way to approach it uh maybe we don't always reach that mindset and you get pissed off and, but sure. you know it one you 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 can try to wear that hat and be like okay man like you know if you're willing to listen to some advice and just you know like here's a learning moment for you and I'm going to take that role or um uh yeah I guess it just rarely happens right. you know so <laughs> yeah I think it's it's happened so little recently but it, it does happen and it's like every once in a while you play with a bass player that's like hitting a lot of clams or or just you know doesn't have the right pocket or you know any any other now would, instrument you know <laughs> yeah now would you ever uh I, and and i can always cut anything out by the way no, <laughs> if no. anything comes up that you don't want to say i or mean whatever, i'm not gonna like, name any names yeah. hey yeah. yeah give me a list, <laughs> yeah, exactly. give me a list. Let's, all right let's call there's, there's the short list <laughs> no, uh, no, I, no just... I mean it rarely happens <laughs> You're right. in this down especially at this point i've been you know playing for long <laughs> enough around that i just and usually you can kind of suss that out you usually you're 
intuition goes. You can eh, kind of notice before they even play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, or yeah. you just like kind of get a sense when someone calls you, like, I just don't think that this is going to be yeah. good. <laughs> That's a good point. Did, would you ever, if it was like somebody on a, a gig, like, like you said, like the bass player's not hacking it, but yeah. like you like the rest of the band, would you ever go to the, the lead singer and, and tell them or? <laughs> I might, maybe yeah. after the fact. Maybe. I don't, well, yeah, not like call them out on stage. Yeah, I don't like, <laughs> some people do that. They kind of yeah. like tackle stuff on stage. And unless, yeah, I don't if like it's, that If it's all. horrific, of course, like, you know, yeah. let's let's fix the problem. But in general, usually it's something that can that can wait. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, um, it's not like there's another guy in the audience that yeah, knows the song. Exactly. Like, hey, let's let's call in the, the relief yeah, player yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, I mean, if it was, if it was, bad enough i might talk to the leader and be like hey you know maybe tell him this or if the if it was very obvious that just wasn't going to work out be like hey if you need recommendations <laughs> let yeah. me know yeah that's a good way to do it like yeah. hey let me know if you need yeah <laughs> if you need any bass player recommendations like right. it's pretty loud and clear right there <laughs> yes yes but usually you wouldn't even need to say anything if yeah. it's the right situation and be like yeah. hey you know everybody's you, gonna know you know what's going on yeah <laughs> yeah so how was that that tour in Alaska? It looked beautiful. Oh man, amazing. So um that band has figured out a way to pretty much do it annually. They've oh, been doing it annually it's like a for year like thing. Yeah, uh the pandemic notwithstanding, but um Yeah. They did it a couple years in a row before the pandemic and I was on one of those tours and now they've yeah, they're kind of dialing in like a annual summer Alaska like two week run and um so I've done it twice. I did oh, it cool. once before the pandemic, and I did it this last summer, which was, you know, cool because that was the first kind of, like, travel thing after the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing up there, man. It's so beautiful. And I'm, as you probably are aware, we're, we're both big outdoorsy guys. Yeah. And so when I can mix, you know, music and, and business with, you know, some, some epic <laughs> outdoor stuff, I'm always down. So... For me, Alaska is like the pinnacle of that, and yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, it's uh, it came about because Paul, the the leader and singer songwriter of that band, Roses Pawn Shop. You know, those guys have been at it for a long time, touring and uh, you know, a bunch of albums, and I think he just put his mind to. He's like, well, Alaska is the one state that I never been or toured but I don't think he'd been either. So he just kind of put his mind to like, how do I logistically make this happen as a tour yeah. and like book enough shows and venues? It's it's challenging because there's only so much that you can drive right. in Alaska. It's kind of like a small portion of the state. Small, it's I meaning like the whole, it's like driving from Sacramento to, to San Diego is how kind of far your drives are. But um, you're kind of going wow. back and forth on the same sort of, you know, areas. So it makes okay. it kind of challenging. It's not like you can go across the whole state because it's like you can only fly to some of those places or go to a Did you boat. drive up there from, oh, from no. LA? No. Well, yeah, we flew from, uh, into Anchorage okay. both times. Um, so that was convenient. The first time... I don't even know if you can drive to Alaska. They just... did it. So the first <laughs> time that band did it, they... <laughs> had like figured out a whole run all the way from LA, like doing gigs all the way up California, uh, the whole West coast. Yeah. And then into Canada, they did some shows through Canada and just kept going in this van. 
quite it's a pretty, track. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty epic. Yeah. So I mean, you definitely have to like being in the van. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. You know, the van's the van. You know, it's like yeah. de- it's very dependent on who's in the van. Yeah. With you, for sure. <laughs> and and if you're like enjoying the things you're seeing and that kind of yeah. stuff, but you know, it's hard. Yeah, well, and it, it is cool that that you're try you know you try to do like like hikes and and different things like that in between gigs. Like, I mean, not that I've had like this crazy amount of touring experience, but a lot of times I just feel like there's like hardly any time. Oh yeah, to do anything totally. like that. So when I see you, I'm like, oh man, he's getting to hike and gig. Like, aren't you just exhausted? Like, yes. <laughs> the, the answer is yes. The answer yeah. is very exhausting. Like, man, the last to where we did up there or run whatever you call it is like i think we were up there for 12 days and we did we played 12 shows and i think we had one day off so we definitely played like doubled up on one of those days and then the one day off we had to drive like nine hours or something right you know? so it, it's very challenging to have any time to see stuff um so there was just times where it was like i would just get you know, four hours of sleep and just make a point to just get up just because I knew it would be worth it. And then, yeah. and then get in the van and drive eight hours and get really shitty van sleep, um, <laughs> you know, just because it'd be worth it. But yeah. you definitely get your beat up, you know, by the end of it, it's super beat up. Well, props to you for, <laughs> for doing it. The yeah. van sleep, that's that's where it gets because, like, I just can't sleep in vans. Yeah, I know. Or on planes or any of that. I'm <laughs> not great at it either. <laughs> I'm not a great napper, but, like, sometimes just the sheer exhaustion, exhaustion. <laughs> you will figure out a way to, like, sleep upright. But, no, it's it's really bad for you. <laughs> right. I Well, I just, the, the ironic thing is, so I did, uh, the, the last little tour I did, you know, to China was so, was so, uh. so rough and... That's a whole story yeah. in itself. But yeah. like I was like, I need to figure out a way that I can I can like sleep on these things if I'm ever gonna do this again, because it was just so rough on my body. And and then I heard about this thing called the this have you heard like the turtle pillow thing? I think I've seen people. Is that where you you put it on the <laughs> the um what do they call that? The thing the oh man. Uh I, I'm blank. I'm having. Well, a I think you're talking about something else. But like where I, you kind of like put your face down. I've seen that. That the, well, they and maybe it's the same company even. But the Seat thing. Back. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that. I'm sure there's like a few different options for this kind of thing. But yeah. the the thing I'm talking about, it like, it it's got like kind of an internal frame thing oh, wow. that that like is kind of sits on your shoulder and then you it wraps around your head, so it kind of holds in place. And so it kind of just holds your head in place. Is your fa- is your face exposed, or is this like your, a whole helmet? Your thing? face is exposed. Oh, damn. Okay. Uh, but you could, I think, people mainly, you know, use like an eye cover kind of thing with it. But I heard it was a comedian, you know, Nikki Glazer talking about it on her podcast about like get it, get a turtle pillow so you can sleep on planes. And I was like, okay, I'll get. One. And I got one right after that, and then the pandemic hit, oh, and so I've never been able to it. use it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I bought it two years ago, and I've never I'm used it. Definitely interested in that because it, it, I fly a good amount these days, and that would be handy. It to, might be worth it. I, it yeah. was like thirty bucks or something, thirty forty bucks, and because uh, my whole thing, you know, I was so tired on the. I was traveling for like. 27 hours yeah, or something those, to those China. Asia, Asia flights are brutal. And brutal. yeah, and I was like so tired but like my 
I I can't I, I couldn't like you know get comfortable in my head. Oh yeah. Every time my head would fall, I'd wake up. Totally. So like I'd get like five seconds. Yep. Like a hundred times, I got five seconds yep. of sleep. Yeah. Which doesn't really amount to much. <laughs> uh, uh. So anyway, I was like, oh, if this holds my head in place, maybe I can get to that exhaustion point where I can sleep on. So that. That's my little tour advice. Uh, I I would definitely look into that. I mean, you know, obviously those the the basic neck pillows have been around forever. They don't work that that great. That didn't work for me. They don't work that that. great. You usually just kind of like smash them into the window and try to like put your head on it. And uh, that's what I had, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't work great. Some I'm jealous of like really good nappers. Yeah, Um, me too. I'm not a great napper. (laughs) I have to kind of get all my sleep at night. But that said, you know, sometimes exhaustion does take over. I always think about <laughs> there's this line in a. You ever seen Sicario? No, that's it's, been on my list for really great, forever. Great but, movie. No. Uh, but anyways, Benicio del Toro is yeah. like a kind of serious hitman guy or working for the government. And there's a scene where he's on the plane, and he says to uh, is it Emily Blunt, I think. Yeah, yeah, he says to Emily Blunt, he's just like, he's like, you should. You should learn to sleep on planes, like just just very <laughs> serious, because because she wasn't sleeping. And he knew that like, yeah, you know, you're gonna land in Mexico and have to do some crazy shit. So right. I always think about that, like yeah, Matt, learn, just learn, learn to just sleep. learn to do it. Maybe the turtle pillow would do it for yeah. you. Yeah, I, I, I also like the name. Any you know, it's, yeah, it's a cool name. <laughs> it's not not bad, not bad. Uh, well, it's yeah, I don't know, but anyway, I <laughs> I that I was definitely jealous of that Alaska trip, yeah, and. Uh, I, I was talking to st- our buddy, mutual friend, Steve. Yeah. And we saw that. And, we're, and Steve's like, I think I'm going to try to book that Alaska yes. trip. You know, Steve was, was actually like, uh, <laughs> hitting up Paul to kind of pick his brain about how to do it. Because yeah. it's definitely, it's challenging. Um, there's, you know, it's not like there's these big cities, big markets. So right. um, the way it's worked out with that band is it'll be like, you know, kind of an anchor date where it's like, a, a big festival, Salmon Fest is their big festival up there. Ooh, salmon's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. So I like <laughs> Salmon too. So it's called Salmon Fest, and that's their big music festival. So it's 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 huge, and uh, that's generally what they try to do. They get try to get a solid date on that festival, and everything kind of rotates around that. Or last time we did it, that was the last gig. So it was like we did eleven dates, and then we finished with that, which is a cool way to do it because you nice. know, then you're dialed. Um, as a band but then it's like you know it ranges from this big festival down to you know some kind of like venues like in anchorage and some other places and or fairbanks you know little venues um and then a bunch of just like really random like roadhouse places and on the side of these crazy alaskan roads and highways uh, that are some of them are really amazing you know, yeah you're just playing these little roadhouses but you're like the, your backdrop is these mountains and these lakes, and so love it's a good backdrop. Like, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it's a good, uh, it's a, a definitely adventure touring. I would call the that situation for sure. That's cool. <laughs> I uh, oh man, that's so cool. I, I I'm just trying to imagine like a roadhouse in Alaska. Yeah, because like. <laughs> It's mostly guys up there, right? Like the, <laughs> it's. Uh, I um, think the guy, the male to female ratio is like pretty rough. <laughs> oh man, I I didn't think about that. I'm sure you're right if you looked it up. Um, I didn't really think about it too much. I I might have been like a little 10 to one or something. I'm were throwing some that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's not a good ratio at all. I'm totally throwing that out of my ass. I'm gonna but, talk to Paul. We uh, should not do it anymore. <laughs> 
Just bring your own. It's it's BYOF. Yeah. Let's bring your own females. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. easy. That's easy. <laughs> so, because uh, I, I brought up Steve, uh, how did you get hooked up with? Uh, so, we, you know how we met was mm-hmm. was uh, Urban Grass. Yeah, the, a band that I still play with uh, here and there. Yeah. there hasn't been a ton of gigs with pandemic and all, but um, I'm st- I'm still heavily in contact with Steve yeah. and. Uh, that's a really fun band, and I, I don't remember how many gigs we we did together on that. There's again, I feel kind like of a, a bunch, maybe a bunch. Yeah. yeah, there's like a depth chart again with that one for sure. For drummers and bass players, for sure. But Steve and Josh, uh, great dudes. I love and, those guys. I miss those guys. Yeah, uh, I met. I might have met Steve just by because I had that room in, in oh, ABC, yeah. the lockout place in Glassell Park. I had. The, I was you know, part of renting a room there to, I was in a band. And then even when I wasn't necessarily rehearsing with that band, like I was, it was just a place that I used to, uh, to shed. And, uh, I was right across the hall from Steve. I think that might've been how I met him. I oh, okay. could be wrong. I don't, yeah. some, man, my memory gets to be pretty dog Maybe shit. he put an ad up or something and. I don't or, you know. think that that was an ad. I've definitely done that back in the day but i don't believe that that was an ad it might have literally just been like meeting him and then maybe he heard me playing and then we got to talking and then he asked me about like yeah i want to play gigs i'm like yeah i do want to play gigs yeah (laughs) yeah so that's a i love that man um man played a lot with them they had that weekly at Bigfoot West. Bigfoot West. Yeah, I played a lot of those wednesdays yeah when when i could and then they were they were working a lot. They were playing a lot of those. That was that was an era where I was actually playing music on the west side of LA. Like that, I don't know. That doesn't really happen for me much anymore. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. It was mo- it was mostly Urban Grass, occasionally yeah. a couple others, but uh, that weekly. I mean, I was glad that I wasn't doing it every week. Yeah, weeklies are like I, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was fun. The I I was kind of doing it the perfect amount for a while where I was doing it like once or twice a month. Yeah. Kind of every other week for a while and it was that was a fun that was a fun gig cuz it was just a fun hang. Totally. The music's fun. It's a nice mix of covers and originals and yeah. kind of all over the place genre-wise. Totally. And you know, it was it was a funny place cuz we would set up just like in like in between these booths <laughs> on the corner. Yes. And that was just such a funny, like, people are sitting there having drinks, and then we're like, hey, you guys got to move. We're, we're about to set up. And they're just, like, looking around, like, where? <laughs> I think, like, right I, here I, think I had to, I think that gig, I don't think there was even room for a drum stool. Nope. I think the drummer, <laughs> you sat on the booth. Sat on the booth. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'd put my amp on the on the booth, and I felt like I was sometimes playing in a phone booth. Yeah. Work, cause oh, because because the the booth kind of like went in, and so the bass player was sort of like tucked in that little. It was like wedged corner. in there, and then the Bose. They, we would have the Bose speaker, which was right behind me, right next to your ear, right next to my ear. <laughs> so I'd have a freaking earplug just jammed away in totally. there, yeah, right yeah. next to there. But yeah, the because we'd have a five piece normally yeah. and it was like pretty wedged and sometimes it'd be four and I'd be like yeah I got oh, a little I room can here I can, uh, yeah. a little bit it's yeah. still pretty tight but you probably dance like me I, I always dance as if I don't have any room 
to dance. That's, that's my signature move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I'll cut it. I'll <laughs> okay, cut it if, okay. the, if the music calls for it, if <laughs> yeah. I got some stage cool. space, yeah. real estate. Nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, that's a fun That's a fun group. I just wanted yeah, to Yeah, dude, I love those guys. And like you said, it's, you know, we're talking about the freelance thing and being able to play these different styles. Sometimes you're playing in a band that plays a bunch of different styles yeah. and, and it works. That doesn't always work. Sometimes right. you can be like, oh, this is way too you know, schizophrenic, but, you know, a band like that, it's kind of like a jam kind of situation, which there aren't a lot of those in LA. In other cities, it's more of a, a thing. And, right. And um, so, but I kind of have some roots in that, the way I grew up. And um, so, yeah, it's fun. I mean, they do bluegrass, then you're doing reggae and doing, like, funky stuff. Like, I, lo- I love that, that kind of situation. And, like, not yeah. every band can do that, and they're a band... I can't, so it's nice. Yeah, yeah, well, in the jam thing, like, if it was all jam, I, that would be too much for me. But like, they have it's, songs. It's yeah. songs, yeah. and then within the songs, you can stretch. You can stretch certain parts, and right. like, I like that. Like, I would get bored if every song was all right. We're gonna jam on these two chords for ten minutes, like for sure, for sure. Me, yeah. It's a tall order, <laughs> and the, the, this the term jam band is a tall order. I yeah. think that that gets a, a little bit of a. You know, it's like jam band. Like, well, like, bitches brew. That's jam band. Like, <laughs> like you know, what I mean, like, that's the. These are some of the best musicians ever. Were the guys that kind of started jam, like Almond Brothers. Like, that's like a jam band. And yeah. so, I feel like I don't know. In certain circles, musicians like that has become like a dirty word. But it's sure. only because maybe some people give it a bad name, and it's like half-assed. And the yeah. musicianship has to be high for you to pull it off. For yeah, sure. So. For sure. <laughs> well, and you've been, uh, another thing that I've seen you've been playing a lot is this uh, ta- Tabula Rasa mm-hmm. bar. And I don't know if it's every time, but we have a mutual friend, Federico. Yeah. He's a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. That you've been playing with there. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen him in a minute. I haven't seen him since player. the pandemic. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, he's an amazing player. Federico yeah. Orlandini. Yeah. Fed- Federico. Freddie. Freddie. Fred. Fred yeah. Fred Freddie, um, I met Freddie through my friend Jesse, uh, who was also doing that with me, and we were playing with this guy, uh, Stevie Redstone, who's a friend of mine, and, and, and an artist, and like kind of a funky rock, soul rock kind of thing, and yeah, so I've definitely done a ton of gigs with Fred, either at Tabula Rasa, where we're doing that, you know, that gig, whether it's... It you know it can be different guys. It's not always the same group of dudes. Um, so it's always a trio, instrumental trio. And at one point, that gig just kind of came my way, and I got to sort of do what I wanted, which is I always kind of I play a lot of different styles, but I I sort of kind of lean on funk. That's sort of what what my first love with the drumming was, yeah. was like funk music, and totally. and then into funk jazz, and and um you know. A jazz guy too so at that gig it's just kind of we get to just play sort of funky jazz tunes and, or like pop pop tunes that work in that vein and just it's yeah. you know grooving and improvising it's it's a really fun gig you nice know, drink some pink wine and, you know oh see what yeah happens get into it <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly yeah man oh hey real quick i noticed your Uh-oh. i don't want your phone to die it's i think the screen's been mm-hmm. on this whole time that, let me turn that shit off <laughs> There we go. Gonna have a dead phone yeah, by the end. Of, yeah. Uh, 
sorry to break the third wall there, but, uh, no, uh, but <clears throat> real quick, I was just remembering, um, did you ever do, uh, one of like the Virgin Islands gigs with, with Urban Grass? I did it. I, I finally was gonna do one. Oh, you were uh, going to? I was going to, uh, St- Steven had asked me at least a couple times to do it and it just I just couldn't make it, you know, work for me personally, just logistics yeah. and money and stuff. Um I sure. just had other stuff going on and and it always sounded amazing. It's like, dude, two weeks playing playing in the Virgin Islands. That sounds friggin' awesome. Um and then finally I just I was like, dude, I got I gotta do this. This is yeah. this is great. I'll 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 make it work. And then that was the same year that that hurricane hit. Oh. So so you never uh, got to do it. It didn't go. Um, I got to get them on here to to tell some stories because... I'm sure they have some amazing stories. For- <laughs> yeah, some intense... I, I, I've been trying to get them on, uh, but it, they're so busy and Josh lives far away. But it, it's going to happen at some point. But yeah, the last time I did a gig with them, they were telling me some of the Virgin Island stories. And I was like, man, I wish I was recording this because like... Yeah, I mean, perfect. just like... Uh, yeah, uh, I'll we'll save it. Yeah, little teaser for someday. But yes, I was wondering if you'd ever been on one. No, I... <laughs> man, and like that's right up my alley. I just you know, I I love you know if like I said if I can combine music, obviously we all like that. We all like if I if music can take us to a place that a you've never been or is incredibly beautiful or both or someplace you can get into some event adventures. It's like that's that's you know a big fringe benefit that yeah we all try to take advantage of in this life for sure <laughs> you know? speaking of that let's yeah. let's get into some stories okay. man like okay. i mean uh-huh. i i appreciate we did some we did some prep and yeah. we've got a bunch to choose from here yeah over prep uh, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I, just the right amount but um man i don't know if one of these that you that you came up with just stands out as a fun one to to jump off. Uh, some of them, like I, I, I feel like uh, if I set you a little less, like they kind of go like there's some stuff from like way when I was way young. Like let's start some, out with yeah, that then. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's start out early. Okay, some early stuff. So I think there's one on there. Uh, I think I, the note I wrote was no gig, no gig, Portland, <laughs> no gig. Yeah, this is pretty. This is I don't know. It's not a long story. I, I think it's funny though. But um. So I was in this band in college. Uh, we were called Planet Farm, and it was I joined this band when I was nineteen. I went to UC Irvine and st- was studying is in the jazz the jazz program there. And yeah. uh, so I met my friend now uh, Ryan Rost, who's a, a killing upright bass player. And so I met him when I was nineteen. He was a couple years older than me. And a funny story, like me and him. We we still play gigs together regularly to this day, which is pretty amazing. You know, we're talking, you know, decades later. Yeah. So, um, so it was a band with him. He's playing bass, and then my friend Dave Tibbetts playing guitar. And at that time, we had a female singer uh, named Stacy Pendleton. So we were four piece, and we were like jam rock, space rock, kind of progressive stuff. Fine. <laughs> you know, college college kids. And um, we worked, we started like gigging around a lot. And I was like playing bar gigs throughout college and, you know, other kinds of gigs with them and, and making a living, which was really cool. And But at one point, kind of early on in the band, you know, we tried to book this tour or someone in the band, I'm sure Dave, the, the songwriter, was doing some legwork and trying to book 
a tour. And the tour ended up consisting of three dates. One was like in LA. So I, I, it's kind of cheating to call that part of the tour as we were in, in Irvine. Irvine but, but that's yeah. what you do. When you, you know, you always do that. You go, okay, that's part of the tour. So oh, sure. we, I don't remember anything about that gig. Played some gig in LA. And then the next day, we drove to San Francisco and played some gig. I don't remember anything about that gig. I don't think it was a very good gig. <laughs> okay. <laughs> some, some venue where we didn't bring any people. Um, like I said, I think it was 19. And, uh, and then the next day, I think we drove all day. I don't think we had a gig that day, but we drove all day to get to Portland. And from San Francisco to Portland, I don't remember how long it was. It felt really long at the time. That's it, pretty, it's pretty long. Yeah, I think it's longer than you should drive in one day. But we, that's yeah. what we did. Sure. <laughs> it it might have been 10, 12 hours, or maybe more. I don't know. Yeah. But we did that that drive, <laughs> stay at some someone's house, a friend's house or something in Portland. And the next day... In the afternoon, we we make our way to to this uh, pub. It was just some pub that apparently had bands. We make our way there, and we get there. We're talking like the bartender or the manager, and basically Dave was like, "Hey, man, we're uh we're Planet Farm here for the gig." And then the manager goes, "Who who who are you? What what gig? Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> right?" <laughs> And we're sitting there like, you know, oh, god damn it. And uh, turns out, I don't know, whoever had, that he had been in contact with, you know, this happens. This probably happens more than I realized. But, you know, someone had the job of booking and then they quit or they weren't doing that anymore oh. and there was some kind of miscommunication and no one was notified and then we fell through the cracks. So oh, we're, we ended up up there after doing this crazy drive with no gig. <laughs> and... You know, everyone's super bummed. We're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And I think we were sitting there for some time, and I think the bartender came up to us and was like, I mean, if you guys want to set up and play, you can. Like, you know, there's – so they had, like, a separate room where there was a stage. It wasn't even, like, in the bar. There was gotcha. like a separate room with a stage. And he's like, well, in a in a couple hours, we have a bluegrass, traditional bluegrass – jam session that's happening so if you guys want to set up quick and you can play before that if you want so we're like yeah sure sure yeah just to do well, something yeah just because yeah. like we were you know pretty pumped to play and we drove all that way so <laughs> we set up our stuff start playing to nobody there's no one there okay we start just yes. playing and then slowly while we're playing and we're playing like our like crazy extended jam space rock <laughs> stuff that is you know we like to play. But right. I don't know how many people wanted to hear at that point. But anyways, no one's there. And then slowly people start to trickle in. And, but it, the people that are trickling in are these bluegrass guys. Yeah. With their mandolins and their banjos. And so we're basically eventually playing to a handful of those guys. And they're watching us. But when I really think about that memory, like, they're, they're not stoked. They're, <laughs> they're just waiting for us to finish our whatever we were playing so they could do their thing that they look forward to all week. Right. Yeah, so we're just, but at, at the time we didn't care. We're like, "Oh, someone's here. We're definitely going to play super we're going to extend this even longer because oh, they're man. here." Yeah. Yeah, so 
that that's how that went down. And I forgot how long we ended up playing, but you know, we basically that was our epic trip up there to culminated in us playing to like four traditional bluegrass guys that really didn't want to hear what we were playing. Oh but. man! Well, at least you got to play. <laughs> like, I feel like at least you got to play. Yeah, because like at least you kind of like get out your for sure something. Yes, you, if you drive fourteen <laughs> hours, like you know, you gotta get to play. So oh, yeah, man, that, that's that, a long way to go for yeah, yeah, for nothing though. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the success story. Right. <laughs> well, and the lesson here, kids, is confirm your gigs. Confirm, confirm, confirm. Before double that, confirm. Right. At least before you that fourteen hour drive. This stuff you know. happens. Yeah. <laughs> it can it can for sure yeah oh man yeah. or or the yeah or you just don't get paid or something but <laughs> yeah it's a whole nother i don't even remember if we got paid for that probably not well if there was if there, you weren't on the can you know <laughs> they probably did <laughs> maybe we got a beer and, well if you were 19 <laughs> yeah maybe. i did have a fake idea at one point okay. so I, that i could play at bars so i might have been during that period of my life <laughs> you, you got the beer. Yeah, exactly. Got a exactly. Cola. Yeah, yeah. That's so, funny. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah i I've been I did one one tour up the coast, and those, those are those are long drives mm-hmm. up NorCal and Portland, and yeah, unless you're beautiful. trying you're figuring out a way to like you know play in San Francisco, and then maybe you could. Book something in Humboldt, Reading, but right. other than that, yeah, you got to make these these long journeys to the to the bigger cities. Yeah, yeah. that's just what touring is for know? sure. Yeah, do you can you like how many tours have you been on? Do you have like oh a... I don't know. I mean I don't I don't think that I'm you know I haven't done as as much touring as as definitely uh, some people for sure. I'll, I'll be the first to say that uh, a lot of a lot of my life has happened you know. In LA or in the whole Southern California, you know, radius and then and then shorter things. But uh yeah, I've, you know, been fortunate to be on some longer tours or travels, you know. as far as the number what was the over longest the years? The longest tour that I was on I was on there was one year where I was like touring I had a, a Europe thing. And yeah. then I had an, an America at the end of there. Each were like 10 weeks. I think that's the longest I've ever been out like yeah. consecu- consecutively is, is 10 weeks, which is pretty long. That's a long, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, it's, you def- it's long enough that, you know, you reach a certain point and you just kind of like forget all about your <laughs> your in-town life or your in-town right. self. And everybody forgets <laughs> about you, too. Totally. Totally. <laughs> That's a funny one. It was like, nowadays, I feel like some people just don't even say that they are on tour anymore. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I And I kind of concur because there were times where that I did what things that I thought were cool and I was like posting about them on social media. And then like literally I'd be, you know, that tour would be over. You know, maybe it was the longest tour, the couple couple months. And you'd be back, you know, you're just back in town gigging and doing doing your thing. And then, you know, you're not not like you're seeing everyone right away. So literally like a year would go. Like I'd be back from this tour that I did for a year. Right. And I'd see people and they'd be like, hey, man, so what's up? So you just like, you're just like on tour all the time, like out of town. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. I'm back. I'm, I'm not traveling. I'm here. <laughs> 
Call I, me. <laughs> it is one of those interesting things. I, I used to get that too, and I wasn't even, most of my stuff was just like three, four days, five days, yeah. you know, stuff like that, weekends, extended weekends. Uh-huh. And then people would be like, oh, you're still in L." Like I'd run into people. Yeah. And they're like, and I'm like, I never left LA. Yes, yes. And I hadn't even been on the longest tour at that point, like exactly. 10 days, you know? Exactly. Those, so that is an interesting thing. I started hearing people just like, yeah, don't even... Don't even say. Don't even say. It's kind of, it's sort of, there is some truth to it. It's kind of, it, it sort of sucks because you want to, you know, when you... We're all doing so many different kind of gigs, and when you're doing something cool, you want, you know, it's it's a little you you want to let people know about it. It's it's a it's natural, fine. it's it's totally natural thing to want to yeah. do. But there is a weird mindset where people just see that and they go, "Oh, that person's out of town," or maybe it's just people that just don't understand the way it works. You know? Yeah. Or I mean, if you only go on social media every once in a while, and then like you see, oh, this person's on tour, and then. A couple mm-hmm. months later, you see mm-hmm. they're on tour again. Then you just assume that they're always yes. on tour kind of thing. Yeah, and what what you can do, and I definitely have done this at least once or twice, is like <laughs> if you're traveling and you, you're posting about it, then when you get back, you you make make sure you, you put at least a few, you know, you're just kind of like, hey, like beach day or, so, or here's the gig, like the <laughs> right. L.A. gig. You're just very, you know, to make a li- at least a concerted effort to be like, hey, Here's me in Los Angeles, not <laughs> not right. elsewhere. Exactly. So, and sometimes you need to do more than one. You know, I don't yeah. know. I'm very lazy these days about social media. I keep I keep telling myself sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna like muscle up and get better at it. But well, you're gonna have a podcast coming yes, out soon, exactly. so that'll, maybe that'll kick you off. Got some cred. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> what about uh, so? What about touring Europe or, or any of these other tour? Any stories from any of that? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. Um, so I was working with a French singer for like f- three or four years at one point in my life. And uh, how do you pronounce the the name? Uh, Jean Moss. It's J E A N N E, and the last name's M A S Moss. Uh, Jean Moss. Um, she, I don't think she's very well known in the states, but it in France. Like she was a like a big star in the eighties. She was kind of like Madonna status oh, wow. in the eighties there. So she's celebrity uh, in France, and it's been a while since I've you know been in contact with her, but she's still doing it. And um, yeah, so at one point she hired like an all LA backing band that I would happen to get on and would go there once a year um, for. A period of time, usually for like a couple of months, we would go there for, you know, for some shows, rehearsals like in pairs for the for the shows, and then shows in pairs or or some tours around France. And um, trying to think of <laughs> some of the stuff that went down with it. Um, oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm trying to go in chronological order. Uh, the first time I played with her. It was in Paris, and we, you know, we go over there. It's my first time. I think that was my first time to Europe, so it was a big deal for me. I think I was twenty-seven, and uh, we rehearsed for like ten days in Paris. We're living, you know, like in this French neighborhood called Mont. I can't pronounce it. I'm just shitty at, at 
French. Uh, Montmartre. Montmartre. Uh, I, it's really I hard. can't it's a hard language. at all. Yeah. Anyways, really <laughs> qu- quintessential Parisian neighborhoods. So it was just a cool experience. And then uh, we played like four shows that time at this theater called the Trianon. I think it was like, you know, modesty, like a thousand seats or something. But it was cool shows. And <laughs> I think during those shows, like I did get a little drum solo. I don't know if it was every night, but kind of there was one song where it's like you know like showcasing the band, like oh here's the yeah. bass solo, here's the keys solo, your guitar solo, and oh, here comes the drum solo, big deal. And I'm, like I said, I'm a young guy, and I'm like, okay, it's my time. Like bass player just soloed, my time to to shred and like wow people. And you know I'm trying to build my solo, and and the singer is like announcing everyone's names, and the the bass player is my friend Todd Todd Connolly. And she'd already announced his name, you know, during his solo. And then, you know, I'm starting my solo, I'm starting to build, feeling really important, you know. And she's like, okay, everybody, on drums, Todd, uh, uh, Matt Lesser. Like, she literally introduced me wrong for for (laughs) a few seconds there. And it was, everyone's kind of laughs. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really what you're hoping for, dear, your big... Self-important right. solo, What's people laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and that's actually recorded somewhere. I've, oh, I've nice. heard that a bunch of times where I'm soloing, and then the, she has the Todd, uh, Matt, so <laughs> that was pretty cool. You know, none of these stories are good. You know, like <laughs> I realized that when I was trying to think of like things that have gone down that were worth talking about. You never were like, oh, dude, we had this great gig. Everything was was awesome. Right. Like, the music was great. The people loved it. But no, you know, people don't want to hear about that stuff. Well, that's the funny thing. It's like, hey, do you have any good stories? And it's like, well, really, I just want to hear about all the crazy yeah. shit that's happened. Yeah, gear fails. And exactly. Like crazy fans and yeah, uh, I don't know, getting sick, getting injured. You yes. know, those are all the the ones that seem to be the the fun. That's the, that's what people about. want to hear because it makes them feel better. I don't know. Well, that's that. part of it. I <laughs> well, and honestly, like I think it is important. Uh, sometimes especially like a young musician it's like ah, oh, like you feel like something goes wrong and it's like you see like the professionals and you it, it's easy to just think that everything is always mm-hmm. easy all the time mm-hmm. and when you kind of can hear that everybody goes through their their bumps yes uh it uh i i just think it's important and it and it's entertaining too <laughs> i think it's important too and i think that um i've thought about this a lot as far as like uh you know, just the way things are moving, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, oh, this is better, this is that, but it's like, I don't know. I wonder sometimes if there's, be, you know, younger musicians are maybe playing less shows, and it's more about like having your, your video set up and you know dialed right. and and getting that thing dialed for like social media, which is obviously it's arrived. You can't argue against it. It's it's here. Um, right, so, but there's these things that go down during live shows and things go haywire and you have to just, you know, really be able to just recover and, and not let things fall apart. And I think that that only happens by doing it. You know? Right. So exactly. you can be really good and be really technically proficient and, and be good in a lot of ways. But if you don't have that muscle of like, Oh, you know, yeah. Like this, the stand fell over or your monitor went out or, you know, so many different things and just be able to like, well, th- 
we're not letting this fall apart. Someone's going to carry this. A lot of time it's the rhythm section just like has to <laughs> tell yeah. the line, you know? So I think about that. Totally. Yeah. How are you going to react when, you know, the singer calls the wrong song mm-hmm. or, you know, you, suddenly somebody kicks your thing and unplugs you. Yep. That doesn't really work for drums, I guess, unless you're on some sort of well, I, I could work for, for well, drums these days, A lot of stuff but, could happen, things yeah. sliding off. or You just have to be able to like, okay, this is not perfect, but, you know, it, you got to fix it. and, and Well, not lose not, your cool. Yeah, not lose your cool and not let the thing train wreck. Yeah, exactly. You don't want it, the train wreck, which means the, the wheels fell off. Yeah. As long as the wheels stay on and some people might notice, but, you know, you'll you'll get out unscathed and it won't be a total disaster. So. Have you ever had one of those? <sighs> I have. <laughs> I, I feel like I must have, but it, I feel like it's it's also something that's so rare, right? That it's just it's just like a it's like a <laughs> religious thing. It's like don't let the thing stop. You yeah. know, the only time I feel like it's happened is if someone literally stops the song. Which right. I don't agree with that ever. <laughs> that, that's but I'm you know it's, usually it's not my gig, but sure. sometimes people are like. They might start in with the wrong some lyrics or whatever. Or maybe it's not going great, and they're like, "Okay, hold on, guys, hold on, stop." And this is in front of an audience, and right? Kind of off again. I feel like that's cheating. You should just, you just, just you know, take your legs, figure it out, <laughs> keep going. Because I feel like that's like this third veil thing. Like, no, you don't stop. No, sure. No, no, no. Yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, there's been some different perspectives just on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, which is a small sample size. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, on either side, like I, I, I do remember at least one singer saying, like, you know, if she thinks it's uh, the opposite that, like, it, it's okay to, you know, if something sounds off from the get go, mm-hmm. to just stop it yeah. and nip it in the bud. And I was just like, oh, that's interesting. And then you hear from. Where the rhythm section guys are just like never stop, yeah, <laughs> never ever stop. Do maybe not be that, the one. Yeah, maybe that's just our role. Is just like you know we're we're like laying this you know freight train thing, and it's just like that's it's just against our you know inherent nature. Maybe that's it. So sure. I guess there's no right or wrong answer. I just think as an audience member, you'd probably appreciate it if if like oh they had a like a little. You know, kind of, they had to dodge this this wave, and they, oh, they recovered. Cool. You yeah, know, that's kind of like character. <laughs> I do like how you put it that it's like it's cheating. Yeah, a little bit to stop. It's like, well, uh, the train already left yeah. the station. You can't back that yeah, thing you can't, up. You like, can't. This isn't like Pro Tools. You're not like erasing. And <laughs> yeah, the race already started. Just because yeah. you, you're behind, yeah, doesn't mean you get to start the race. Yes, know. that's yeah. my perspective. But what do I, what do I know? Well, I know. we'll find some more metaphors. Exactly. But um, <laughs> uh, there, you said there was another Paris story on here. I don't know if it's yeah, the one that I remember that I uh, that I noted. Um, so a couple years later, working with the same artist, we were on a pretty. It was a tour, but it was like the best tour as far as the situation because we were playing these, you know, pretty big venues. I think they were called Zeniths over there, which is like... Sounds nice. Yeah, just like kind of bigger sort of sheds, like 5,000, 6,000 seats, which was yeah. cool for me. It was like the biggest shows I'd done at that time. Yeah. And, um, but the, the way they did it over there with those kinds of size places, 
and it, the way they made it like make sense, probably money wise and everything, was we would just be living in in Paris, you know, Sunday through Thursday, and then come Friday morning, we would hop on a bus or a plane or a train and do play Friday and Saturday shows around the country, and so um, did that for like. 10 weeks or something. I mean, that sounds amazing. It was great. Yeah. Cause it's, you're it's, actually just like living there. Yeah. It's like the, I got to really, you know, be a tourist too, yeah. <laughs> which is, we talk about actually having time when you're on tour. Like yeah. I actually had a lot of time in Paris to really see. Now these other cities, I didn't have hardly any time. It was just like, get there, you know, sound check. Right. Gig. And you know, maybe you have like an hour to walk around some town. Sure. You know, which I like. I like that too. I sort of like, the quick snapshot of touring of of seeing places there's, sure. there's an excitement about that as well like going to some bar and have a drink with a this like an older old person <laughs> I, I just love that yeah uh, <laughs> but um so we were on some you know outing on one of those those weekends we were in an area called Brittany and Brittany I think is the northern part of France on the ocean. So it's kind of like facing towards Britain, I guess. Um, you know, kind of cold and, and gray up there and on the coast. And, you know, this was a big tour. This, this specific tour was like with a bunch of French artists from the eighties, looked at this, re- this retro thing. And so it was like 10 different French artists and that was pulling together doing this big tour. And, um, so they had a, you know, they had really good, catering at these big venues and that's always nice to get yeah. good food you know and um and the 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 chefs of this catering company they, they would just get fresh whatever's in the area that we're at they would go get fresh stuff which was great so the food was amazing you know consistently at these shows and we're in Brittany on the ocean so they were getting fresh seafood and I'm a big seafood guy I love seafood I love shellfish I love all that stuff and so, you know, we go to catering before this this last gig, and I see, like, you know, oysters and mussels and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting down. I'm going to eat this. And, uh, you know, had a lot, and like, like we all did. Play the show, everything's cool. You know, hotel. Next day, I think that one we were on a train. So we were on a train getting back to Paris, and... Just slowly, you start seeing different people from this tour. Everyone starts like getting up and going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, this is not pretty. I, I, I like mean, it. I mean, goddamn, get into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> things that pop up in your head. Um, yeah, and then slowly, you know, I start feeling not so great. I'm like starting to sweat a little bit. Starting to, you know, and then you you really understand what's happening, and. You know, <laughs> and then there ends up being a line to the bathroom because there's oh. enough people that ate this food. Yeah. It must have been the shellfish or something, you know, and people were, you know, kind of fighting to get to the bathroom. <laughs> so, <laughs> and these are like, I, I, I don't even think I could name names because I don't remember these artists' names are French, but they're famous in France. So these are like famous <laughs> older French artists that are like, you know, running for the bathroom to like lose it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably like, oh, you're the, you know, 
American drummer, I'm going in front of you. Like, you don't even speak French. Like, uh, so Jean Claude Van Damme just cut me in line. Yeah, exactly. Dude. God damn it. Um, so somehow, I think I, I somehow I made it. I didn't have to do the full business on that train. I made it off the train and wow. got. Iron stomach. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this this is all scar tissue of my stomach. Um, I've, enough abuse <laughs> over the years, but uh, somehow I don't know. I didn't have to because you know no one wants to do that in a pub in a public bathroom. No, it's like wants e- e- either direction. You know, I don't think it's a want. At no, that it's point. not a want. Yeah. But it, but I you know you try to like can I can I maintain can I get back to my hotel room basically, <laughs> and I did. I somehow I got off that train and I. I don't remember. I got back to my hotel room and I was just like, you know, when you get bad food poisoning, yeah. like it was, re- it was probably the worst food poisoning I ever had. Just Oof. 24 hours of death, you know. Wow. And so I just, was just, you know, didn't leave the hotel room for that whole time. And my, you know, different bandmates that somehow they didn't, my bandmates didn't get sick. And they were like popping their heads, knocking on the door every once. They could probably hear me down the hall, you know. <laughs> Seriously, you know these little these little European <laughs> hotels, and probably, right. probably hear me like like sounds like The Exorcist or something. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they'd be like, "Oh, here's hey man, Matt. Here's a Gatorade. Here's here's a red. Here here here's some some crackers." And you're just like, "Go away. Yeah, let me die." Just let me die. We die in Yeah, a, just let me die in peace. Don't even look at me. But, apartment uh, in uh, Paris. Yeah. And I meant, you know. Oysters. Exactly. Those oysters. Those damn oysters. So eventually, you know, 24 hours of hell later, wake up. And it's like it's like you're waking up for the first time. You're like, you, oh, you yeah. just came back to life. And the sun's coming in through the window. And you see the, the rays coming through. And you're like, hear the birds chirping. And you can actually appreciate it. And you're like, oh, my God. I think I made it. I'm out the other side, and like, I remember going outside and just like, oh, so beautiful out. And I went to the Bois de Boulogne, which is that's like the Paris Central Park. It's like their big, like Central Park of New York. It's like that for Paris, and all these old guys playing bocce ball. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment after rebirth. Yeah, it was a total rebirth. (laughs) Yeah, so that was that. I do like the (laughs) visual of like just like all these famous french yes. artists like in line for the bathroom yeah trying not to like have a, have a accident yeah in, gerard in depardieu in just shat his pants <laughs> exactly. and uh i don't know exactly I, those are the two the only two french people i could even celebrities i could even think of jean-claude van damme jean-claude and, uh, van damme there was a gerard. guy he passed away a couple years a few years back johnny holiday was a big a big star he serge like gainsburg just oh, threw go. up in the in the <laughs> Just any, that's that's what people do to Americans. Like, oh, Brad Pitt. Like, <laughs> they just name these. Like, you don't have to look right. anything like Brad. Oh, right. Liam Neeson. Yeah, hey, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Exactly. Like, okay. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's uh, you know, a nice gross one. Yeah, I, I feel like that could happen to anyone while you're traveling. It doesn't have to be touring, but you know. Sure. <laughs> nice gross one yeah sure that's my specialty yeah. yeah hey man keep them coming keep them coming <laughs> but i i think travel stories in general are are great too yeah. like that's kind of the whole thing i i do have some like travel stories that i've wondered like gosh oh, i tell this it has nothing to do with a gig uh-huh but yeah it's still kind of a funny story you to got tell. a good so, one you got a good one um oh man i don't uh <laughs> i was uh, i didn't have any in the chamber but that's okay um yeah. Well, if you have anything about like you know like, 
like like projectile. Well, I do have that. Yeah, I do definitely have that. Okay, why not? Why not? Let's get into it. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, because it's a train one. It oh, okay. there's at least a, a degree to seven bacon. Kevin Bacon. Oh, is that what I said? seven bacon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I mean this was more of a drinking thing. Okay, but. I'll try to tell it because this could be a long story, but I'm going to yeah. try to tell the abbreviated version. Yeah. But uh, also in Europe, uh, we were taking trains every night. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I did a semester in Europe and in, uh, in the Netherlands, and we had we traveled every weekend on on trains. So the semester, like, or did you you went to LA Music Academy? Uh, or did you not? Yeah, I, d- I did. Oh, okay. Before that, though, oh, I went to St. Louis University oh, okay. for uh, for for psychology. I got a bachelor's in psychology. Oh, okay, got it. And did a semester overseas. Got it. So I'm I like can, I'm I like can, 74. Actually, I don't that know. makes a sense. Yeah, 74. <laughs> I got the Benjamin Button thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got Benjamin Buttons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, I went to college before music college as well. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I, yeah, we were traveling every weekend and we had one like long break in the middle where we were just like, all right, let's just hit all these countries and just sleep on the trains and stuff. It became, and so like one of the nights we all just like, I was with two of my, my good friends over there and we all got like a bottle of wine for like the evening train ride and just had this great night and like, we're like chatting up these girls and like, it was just like really fun night and we yeah. all just like drank a bottle of wine and then the yeah. next night we're like let's do that again you yeah. know and we were in uh we're in austria at this point and i i find this uh at like the the shop there in the train station it's just this huge like two liter bottle of wine which is like two and a half bottles of wine basically yeah, yeah. And it was like four euros. Yeah, just and, the just the most dog shit wine. Yeah, I'm available. sure it was yeah. bottom of the barrel. And <laughs> I, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, we can split this, right? This is like two and a half bottles. Sure. And I buy it and I bring it back to my friends. I'm like, check this out, four euros. Yeah. And they all bought their own oh, as well. Oh, yeah. They're, and I'm like, what? Oh, okay. So I everyone's guess, got yeah. their own personal stash of... Exactly. So we've got... <laughs> You know what do we, what do we have? Seven and a half bottles of wine between oh, the three of us. That's dangerous. Basically, uh, so anyway, we're just drinking and we're like playing cards on this like train platform in in Austria and these like you know everybody sounds like Arnold there by the way, <laughs> which is hilarious. So and I'm not going to try to do the impression. Well, maybe I'll just try, but just yeah. know that I know that I'm not good sure, at it. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the the uh, the security's like, uh, yeah, we we normally. Uh, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> normally, keep do this kind of thing in pubs. You know, we're just like slamming wine, playing cards. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this isn't really acceptable right. train behavior. But they were like super cool too. Yeah. I mean, they were just like ch- we just like chatted. <laughs> we're just yeah. like, oh, we're just, our trains in like 45 minutes. We're just sure. waiting, and we just like chatted. And they didn't like stop us. They yeah. were just like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we are we get onto this train already, like halfway into these bottles. And, and then we're like, we're, so we're already like partying when we step into uh-huh. this train and it's like a, a overnight train You're thing. Like, yeah. This is the party train. Like, yeah. Like, and everyone else is just kind of like, yeah, uh, everybody I'm else is go see my uncle. <laughs> exactly. Everybody else is looking at us like, what 
the fuck? These are like <laughs> 19 or 20 year old, yeah. you know, American yeah. assholes. Yep, yep. And my friends were very loud. And I'm sure I was too sure. at that time. Sure. Uh, and, you know, we got this like table that you have like the two seats and the table and the two seats, like looking at each other kind of thing. So we're, we're like playing cards and we're like, these bottles are just getting lower and lower. And we get to a point where I was just like really starting to, I would, I would, I threw up a lot that, that, oh. uh, that like semester yeah. in, in Europe, I threw up a lot. That would, you know, that was the point I would get to, oh my God, like my family's probably listening to this, like, oh my God. But, uh, <laughs> no, I was like 20 years old. And anyway, uh, I get to that point where I'm like, okay, I think I'm like gonna like pass out or throw up or something. Yeah. And, and my friend's like looking at me and he just like looks at me dead in the eyes and he's just like, you're only drunk. You only feel drunk because your mind is telling you Ooh. that you drank alcohol. So you're like it was. Are you guys like, all? Were you all psych, psycho, You know, psychology students. No, <laughs> that sounds no. like a very psych student. <laughs> like, dude, just just your mind. No, I think he was. Uh, he's like a <laughs> English. He was like an. He's like an English teacher. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he was just like, yeah, exactly. It is. It sounds very psychoanalytical. <laughs> But, like, two seconds later, I'm running to the bathroom, right? You know, because I got to throw up. And uh, I I remember oh this. So this was the, this is my time traveling story. This is the only time I've mm. ever time traveled, and, which <laughs> is is all, another way for that, saying I blacked out. That's all it takes. To, uh, it, people have been working on this this tech for a long time. It really, you just got to get two and, only, ha- two and a half bottles it, of wine. <laughs> you can go simple. forward. Yeah, it's simple. You can't go back. Oh, yeah. Well, everyone knows that. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah. So, well, and to to get back to why this ties into your story, so I run to the end of the train car and didn't make it oh, to the bathroom. So no. I I remember these are like the last thirty seconds of what I remember of that night. I remember almost getting to the end of the train car, and luckily there, there was nobody in like the last booth, and I just like lost it right in the booth. In the, in the booth. last oh, booth. Shit. And then I get out, and then I was like, I get out of there, and I somebody's in the bathroom. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, and I lose it again oh. in like, like I just turned to like, so it's one of those trains <laughs> where like, you know, uh, you have the seating, and then at the end, there's like a separate little compartment that's the bathroom, and then you can get into the next car. Yeah. So and there's like the the stairs there. So I just yeah. remember losing it into like the oh, stairway. Oh god. <laughs> you know, between the cars. Oh god. Then the person comes out of the bathroom. I get in that the bathroom, and then blackout. And oh, then I wake shit. up the next morning. And Where? it's light out. Where did you wake it, up in your compartment or whatever? Back in the or? well, they it was open. It wasn't like compartments. There were just like the booth, like a booth. Like it yeah. was all like restaurant booths. Yeah. And uh, oh, I just wake up and you're duct taped to the booth. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> but, but I mean, that would have made more sense than what what it was. Which I wake up and and first off, one of my friends is gone. Like. I don't know where he is. Other one's passed out. All our bottles of wine are gone. I I get up to go to the bathroom. Everything's cleaned up. There's no of course. There's no like. There's not sign like a, of a any of the stuff. I just like evidence of carnage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like I see my friend. One of my friends is is in the next car over, p- 
passed out but oh, across the aisle, like pe- off uh, across people's feet, <laughs> like and and for some reason I didn't think like I'm gonna go wake him up. I just left, like I just went back and was just like. So out of yeah, it. you're like I can't. I just have no extra energy to even deal with anything. Yeah, right I don't now. know why I didn't do that exactly, <laughs> but you know, slowly my my other friend wakes up, and then like I hear commotion in the next car, and I real and it's like the conduct the conductor had just like stamped our our stuff, Dude. and of course even then I didn't realize like I should probably go wake up John. <laughs> oh God! So the I I I realize at some point that the conductor's like you know, that it's John. You guys I, are the least popular people on this. Like, everyone oh, yeah. knows who you are. Oh, yeah, we you got are, a lot of dirty you looks. You are just like, yeah, this oh, was like God, these guys. The worst American I yeah, ever was. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. the conductor's, like, kicking John to wake him up <laughs> across the... And he's, like, slowly, like, just ah. in this daze, like, getting up and, like, has no <laughs> idea where he is. And I, like, run over. He, and he's like, where's my bag, you know? And I'm like... Dude, we're like way over there, you know. <laughs> so anyway, but just to—I know this. This that's, is a long story, funny. but um, none of us remembered anything. Everyone passed. blacked out. Everybody blacked oh, out God. at the same time. Everybody remembered like that last thing happening, but we found it was like the hangover where we found the next day we're walking around Switzerland, <clears throat> just like horribly hungover, yeah. and we had like taken pictures. <laughs> throughout the night like we're just like dancing around the train with like our playing card you know we're just like playing yeah. cards and like you see the the bottles get lower and lower oh, and geez. the last picture is an empty bottle next to like passed out john <laughs> so andy i guess was the last one to be up and uh calling you guys out this uh, is like that movie Memento. Yeah. Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's a mix between Memento and, and the hangover, hangover and something like Dude, that. Dude, that so is pretty amazing. That's pretty great. Wow. That's I mean, great. yeah, time travel, it just takes two and a half bottles of, of cheap wine. Got rut or sorry, <laughs> rot gut. Rot gut. Rot gut uh, European wine. I remember being when I was in Paris, one of those times I was like trying to get some beer, drink it somewhere. And I, you know, same thing. Yeah, you're just trying to spend as little euros as possible. Yeah. And I bought like a big tall boy of some some brand. I'm like, well, yeah, look at it. it was only like a, <laughs> a, like one euro. Right. And someone, I think some girl is talking. To her, she's like, yeah, that's what the bums drink. Here. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you're like what? It looks. Is this European? This is <laughs> this is fancy. It'll make you blind. <laughs> exactly. Uh, straight moonshine. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's a, what's funny about drinking is like. You know, you were really young, um, but this just happens. You know, some you as you live your life, if you're drinking, you slowly learn the hard lessons, the rules of drinking. There are rules, right? And if you break them, this is what happens to your body and your mind, right? But every once in a while, you forget those rules, and you have <laughs> you need a reminder, and yeah, you, and you learn. <laughs> the rules change as you get older. The too. rules change. The rules get way more. The strict. consequence, yeah, the rules get really strict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe I told that story. <laughs> Whatever. I'm proud of you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Do you, uh, <laughs> so you keep it pretty pretty tame then on the, the boozy? Now, on the, on boozy? the booze? Um, you... I try to. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, as you, as you get older, it's just, you just, body is just like, man, like, just can't, you just can't. 
hang it, yeah, it, you know, the way you used to. It's a it's an interesting one because, um, especially you're talking about traveling and touring, right? You know, that's a slippery slope. There's definitely been tours where it's just like you look back and like, oh, you know, that was a lot of days out of the out of the days that I was gone. <laughs> a lot of days um, of drinking. It's it's it gets to be pretty easy just because there's nothing going on if you're just like going back to a hotel and yeah depending where you're at um and if it's free it's free exactly <laughs> and, and you're if you know you're you're hanging with touring with people that you like drinking with and you get you're just you're just collectively enabling each other you know? right and right it's a good time but you know at the same time you got to keep it together because there's obviously a laundry list of historical you know you know stories where it, d- it doesn't work out um, right. so you know try to try to you know err on the side of of health uh where i can um but alcohol is a useful it can be a useful drug if if you know it's something that you can handle personally it's 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 a very useful social lubricant yeah you know, in point. a lot of situations yeah. so and you know you wouldn't have these stories, the the train stories, time travel without them. You know, it's so, true. You know, yeah, you, a lot of story. Yeah, it's it's you know, the, so many stories have at least involved some sort of yeah <laughs> substance or, yeah. or or alcohol or whatever. You know, and it's like I don't know. There's like the good and the bad, and you you want to you want to learn your lessons, but yeah. Uh, I do like the stories. Yeah, the stories <laughs> that come out are great. And, you know, yeah, I think, you know, when you're drinking and especially with your traveling, it's like you will, you're more apt to, like, see what's going on. Rather, like, if you're sober, you're like, what time is it? Oh, it's almost midnight. I'm definitely going to pass out. Like, yeah. you're drinking, you're like, well, let's see where this goes. I'll, I'll roll the dice. Sure. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. What, uh, so, man, there's, there's these, a lot of other stories that you kind of had ready to to go here. Yeah. There's, I got, I got a few. Got a few. (laughs) What do you feel like talking about? I, uh, let let me see. What else (laughs) did I, did I kind of think of? Oh, um, there's a couple interesting ones. Uh, sort of as far as like other people. Okay. So, I was on this tour with this band, uh, Orange Blossom Special. They're still around. They're friends of mine. They're and they're like a, like a heart. It, it, which is funny about that name is everyone when you say that name, they're like, oh, so they're like a country, like a bluegrass thing, because that's an old timey bluegrass song. You know, oh, okay. it's like a traditional. I didn't even know. Yeah, that. apparently it is. Um, but no, I, I and I I don't remember where why they decided to. I think it's, it's like a family thing for them because there's two brothers. But okay. um, they're like a hard rock band. It's like a hard rock kind of Tom Petty thing. That's how I describe them, like Tom Petty, but like hard rock. Thing. And um, cool. so they were on this tour that I joined them for where we were playing. It's called the Uproar Festival. It's like a hard rock tour. And like there's one of these big festivals that tours the States and Canada um, like over the summer and – They'll have like you know the the parking lot stage you know like kind of warp tour style or that they they construct that stage every day and there's 
bands during the daytime out there, and then at night there's the headliners on the amphitheater. So it's always at amphitheaters, but the first part of the, the day is in the parking lot okay. stage. Um, you know, lesser known bands, and then and some of the bands were pretty well known. But and then later on, it like it was these bigger bands like Avenged Sevenfold and disturbed and all these all these nice. bands stone sour you know so, so it's a big rock tour and uh so i was playing with these guys and we're, we're we're playing on the festival stage and doing some opening slots there and it was really cool and um also so i think that the the this is kind of weird to say the headlining band of the fest of the parking lot stage was this band called hell yeah and that's vinnie paul was in that band okay so vinnie paul the drummer from pantera who passed away but Vinnie Paul's gotcha. fucking awesome, awesome drummer. Yeah. Like, and um, so, you know, it's cool. I got to, like, watch him play every day. It was, it was really cool. And met him a little bit. It's not like we hang, we hung or, or anything like that. But the other interesting thing about this tour was that Orange Blossom Special, this the band that I was touring with, you know, they had their original set that we were playing on this, on this um, you know, festival stage. But also they had a history of being a Tom Petty cover band. Like like a, they would do shows like in Southern California at bars and stuff or parties and like play they had like, you know, 20 Tom Petty tunes. Like yeah. all the all the hits you can think of and a bunch of deeper cuts and so that was cool. I love Tom Petty, you know, I love yeah. all those songs. And so that was kind of a cool thing. And so the way it worked out, they're like, "Okay, we're going to be playing on the stage." And then also they had an in with the production of this tour and they're like, oh, we're also going to be playing like after parties for the, for, you know, for the bands and like things like that. So we, we were doing these different kind of events playing the Tom Petty songs when we did those. And so the tour kicked off in Minneapolis. It was the very first show. I think, I don't think we played a sh- like a proper show for the tour yet. It was just like, this is the kickoff. Everyone got out there. And and they had like a party to celebrate the kickoff of the tour at this place. I think it was called the Ugly Mug. And the band that I'm touring with were were the entertainment for the tour party, the kickoff party. Gotcha. So we're gonna play our Tom Petty shit at this <laughs> at this bar. It also happened to be my 30th birthday, which was pretty cool. Cause nice. I, and everyone found out about that and was like, oh Matt, dirty thirty. Like I and I didn't know these people. I just kind of met all these people for yeah. the first time. Anyways, we're playing our Tom Petty stuff, you know, and night goes on, and there's all these, you know, rock stars from, like, Avenged Sevenfold and Disturbed and, like, um, Hailstorm. And then Vinnie Paul was there, too. And Vinnie Paul, likes, he, liked, he liked to throw him back. <laughs> and I just remembered that we were playing I Won't Back Down, you know, famous Tom Petty tune. And then at one point... Like some people get on stage and Vinnie Paul gets on stage and he's singing backups. So I'm playing drums to won't back down and, and Vinnie Paul's singing the backups and it was just like this real surreal moment. Yeah. When I was turning 30. I was like, this is crazy. Where am I? <laughs> why is this happening? Why is Vinnie Paul why am I playing drums behind Vinnie Paul singing a Tom Petty tune? It was yeah. just one of those that happens when you're traveling sometimes. You just kinda and that's the cool thing about being I guess a freelancer, you just kind of end up in these situations where, like, dude, this, how did this happen? Yeah, you know? such a unique experience. Yeah. yeah, that like only you probably experienced ever. Right? Maybe. Yeah, I think you you're know? right. I don't. I don't know if another drummer played. I won't back down behind Vinnie Paul. 
<laughs> right? Senior backups and Vinny Paul kind of drink tossing back beers and stuff. So, yeah, that was a cool moment. You yeah. know, that's another another thing that went down um, touring wise. I guess I get into another one now that I'm thinking about other Sweet. tours. Um, I was touring with Austin Hanks, and Austin Hanks is a pretty well known guy around LA, kind of Southern rock guy. He's from Alabama. Um, Southern rock blues, really great songwriter. And we were opening for ZZ Top. Nice. He's like, they're like, he's like best friends with Billy Kim. So they, they, okay. have, a, they have a close relationship. And so he's been involved with ZZ Top and Billy for in different ways for years and i think now like over the past few years he's actually been in a band with billy gibbons like it's like austin hanks and billy gibbons and matt sorum from oh, cool. gnr like yeah. have a band together and do shows and 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 records but this time i was playing with with austin hanks and we were the support like the direct support for zz top for like three months a couple different legs but it, it yeah. ended up lasting about three months that time and so that was Really cool, like big, really cool big shows. Either they were like kind of big sheds in Texas or these really cool like theaters, like the Beacon in, in New York City. So like just really Sweet. cool situation. And uh, <laughs> it's just one of these things, right? Just like a brain fart. Like, you know, we you know, we were doing an open thing. But but the cool thing about that crowd, it's like, you know, it's easy top. So it's like a mixed bag, but tend to be kind of an older crowd for sure they like to get there early you know right. they're not trying to like they like to get their seat you know get things situated <laughs> and it's not like the young guys a lot like, of hip problems yeah exactly knees. they're not trying to like run in they want to get there early <laughs> which was nice for the opening bands we yeah were, we always were playing to like almost a full house each time which was really cool um and you're doing like 45 minutes we were doing 30 30 yeah it was so, or, ooh, if quick. that yeah wow. it was quick yeah, yeah those opening slots like you gotta you gotta really just get in um so there i mean that's an you know that's a pretty easy night though oh totally that that those touring as an opening thing is is both cool and kind of frustrating because you just you're not playing that much you know it's 30 like, minutes yeah Oof, that goes by quick yeah. it goes by real quick so you, you, yeah you, you know how it goes you're just getting warmed up right you know so that's just the nature of that but it was really cool and I, I don't remember what venue this was at but it was a big venue they were all pretty big and this might have been one of the bigger ones i don't know and we had you know our set list that pretty much stayed the same and you know some of them I counted in. Sometimes the guitar would would start an intro, and we'd go off that. And sometimes it'd be a drum fill. And I had tempos, you know, like reference tempos to start off, you know, to click things off at the right tempo. And I remember I was clicking off. I just had this brain. I just clicked off a tune, and it, it's it started with a drum fill, and it was this shuffle. It was it was the Hunter. It's an old blues tune, and we were doing kind of like a rock blues version of it but it's still like a shuffle like a rock shuffle and i'm counting one two da, 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 like you know all triplets and as i do it and we're in front of thousands of people like austin just turns around and he hears me he hears that i'm counting in the wrong song right and he didn't want to let me go he was like he was just he turns to me and he goes and he's a super sweet guy southern dude he's just, he just goes no and he just like starts playing the riff which is in a straight eighth thing, 
So it's like I'm going into a shuffle. He starts playing this this straight eight <laughs> thing, and it, that speaking of train wrecks, that could have been a colossal yeah. train wreck. But somehow <laughs> I don't know how it worked out. Just luck of the draw. The the quarter note tempos were, if not the same, close pretty enough. Pretty close. <laughs> So like it was just this weird triplet thing into his riff. It was like a more of a straight rock, Stones kind of vibe, and and somehow it worked out. Wow! <laughs> it wasn't it yeah. wasn't a complete train. It was just it was just kind of like oh that was kind of an awkward moment in front of a ton of people, but but it wasn't. This is kind of goes back to our how we opened up. It's like no train wreck. It just happened, and we recovered quickly. Like I might have even just kind of like heard him put, go into the riff and just hit a downbeat on the crash and let him play for two bars, and then came in with the correct wow. groove. Professional. So, yeah, you know. Professional, <laughs> I think, just means like you've fucking done it enough times that you just you can recover quickly yeah. enough. <laughs> I, th- I think... Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Like yeah. not getting rattled, like Yep. And just let let brushing off your shoulder as quickly as possible. Right. You know. I think when you're younger, you you get in your head about stuff and you're like, "Oh, it it was supposed to be perfect." But when you I think as you as you get older that you realize like, "Okay, it wasn't perfect. Like move on and just try to live in the moment." And right. Worry about that shit later and just, you know, just Not there. let it affect your your playing yeah, too. Yeah, I've gotten better and better at that. It's tough over the years. <laughs> I I I just couldn't help from uh, thinking that I played the I did this one sub gig, um, where like the singer was he had a lot of like tweaks to the drummer, <laughs> like the it, Tempo, you know tempos. Yeah, stuff. like tempos and yeah. just like how just like feels and like mm-hmm. you know it was like a lot of we were learning a lot of songs for yeah. these gigs and he just he had a lot of like thing you know and he had a lot of notes yeah maybe for the maybe too many because you can't you can't sometimes you have to be like well this is the drummer you got yeah like and you, play, can, you can have like, notes but you have to sort of be like okay you know like yeah. you hired this guy exactly <laughs> well and also like we're pl- like we're there's an audience like oh so this is happening this in real is time happening too. in oh, real man. you know why and you and can, of course that gets that that totally throws people off you get super insecure when that happens yeah. You know? yeah but the funny thing to me was uh every time he would have a note like the drummer would start just playing really hard <laughs> Because he's angry. <laughs> he was getting mad. Yeah. So everything was just like slam. <laughs> just yeah. slam and he's yeah. just like, Jesus, dude, yeah. chill. Like uh Yeah. You know? I uh I can kind of <laughs> empathize. I you know I, yeah. Cause it's it's a weird it's a weird one being a drummer. Yeah. You know, because like you really are in the hot seat and so much depends on the the feel and the tempo. You're you are in the position to communicate that. And drive that for the rest of the band. It's just the nature of the drum set and percussion. And but then people, you know, they they get on your case, and and that's just part of the. You want to be a drummer for hire. You just gotta be able to take those bullets. Right. Right. <laughs> well, in in this situation, there was no rehearsal. Yeah. So it's which is a lot of times the case, and it's right. like, well, what you can only expect. Assert you can't expect perfection. You, yeah, uh, 
so you got to play to people's strengths. And if and if you have so many notes and so and you're micromanaging to us to such an extent that you like wear away at the confidence of the drummer, you're actually messing up. You're not doing. They were know. both at fault. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> they both, you know, yeah. it was it was both like it was like I mean it yeah it is what it is. But <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I've you know over the years I've definitely that's just part of your you know the job description is just being flexible and being able to change things really yeah. on the drop of a dime. Like if someone wants it faster and it's not your gig and you know you respect them enough to take their direction like. Yeah, you got to be able to do that, and and with as little emotion as possible. However, I I totally like I've been there. I've I've kind of like had those moments where someone wants it somewhere else, but they counted it in where you are putting it, and right. so that, those are the times you kind of have to swallow your pride and, sure. and just do it because sometimes you're just like, motherfucker, you like you you counted it in, <laughs> like, yeah. Why, or the you know? guitar played the riff yeah. at that tempo, yeah. and now you're now yeah. you're blaming me or something. Yeah, so but then I've heard different perspectives perspectives from friends that are you know very good musicians that are like yeah man but this thing's happened and you guys shouldn't take it so personally and I'm like yeah right. you're right <laughs> it's true i think yeah you, you you have to get to that point where it's it, you don't take it personally yeah, it's true it's true but but at the same time as the drummer in order for you to like drive the ship you have to be super confident right so it's a weird balancing thing because you can't just be like oh just tell me i'll just do whatever you want no matter what you have to have this like be it be really flexible be a good you know follow direction but also be confident but sometimes you have to be like no here it is yeah and sometimes people might not like that for a split second and they'll be like oh cool the drummer's driving the ship now and this thing is i would much rather have that yeah <laughs> than than an unconfident yeah exactly drummer, so. exactly so you have to figure out that balance. It's true. Each instrument, you know, has their their kind of hurdles to, or just like uh, whatever cross to bear. I guess uh, <laughs> what, what, whatever. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't think yes. of any other metaphor. No, but, I like that metaphor. Uh, you know, let's <laughs> get biblical. <laughs> get biblical. With it. Uh, that's funny. I, yeah, I'm trying to think of. Oh, I just had a question just fly out of that's my okay. head that's after right. the biblical reference. <laughs> But uh, how do you, are you mainly getting gigs with like recommendations or do you have like a, a certain way that you, that you go about getting gigs? I, at this point it's, it's recommendations, um, which is cool. Um, at this point, I, I guess I feel like I've been in this town for long enough and been active that, um, I have a wide enough net of, of community and people that I know and that I've played with that it, things tend to just kind of come down the pipe, yeah. which, which is nice. Um, you know, um, when I moved up here a long time ago after college and I was just really hungry for gigs and work, I was doing everything I, everything I could. The answering, I was on, uh, do you remember Musicians Contact? Did yeah. You do that? Uh, sure. That was a big deal, you know, like that was just part, like you just had to do that. I don't know if you were just trying to work as much as yeah. possible. Um, so I was definitely doing that. And then like, you know, Craigslist, they, that's like something that people maybe don't talk about, but it used to be sure. a resource, you know. You, yeah. I definitely got some some steady working gigs out of Craigslist. I got Urban Grass from Craigslist, oh, okay. man. Okay, okay, cool, <laughs> cool. I, 
yeah. yeah, I didn't use it a ton, but like yeah. during certain times, I would I would check it out, and that that was one of those that yeah. turned into like uh when did I start doing that? It has, has to be like seven years or something mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. I get a ton of work, you know, from Steve and it's, a, you know, exactly. A, a so you never friendship. know. And so like, yeah. you just kind of never know. You never know. And, um, so yeah, I remember specifically Craigslist getting this, uh, steady kind of restaurant bar gig that was like a every Friday thing. And I did that when I wasn't traveling. Phew for at least a couple years. So, yeah, you know, I used to do that. And, I mean, not that I'm above any kind of audition. I'm, I'm not. I'll, I'll, I'll happily audition for anything that's that I think is cool. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely done some auditions for, like, companies, you know, for private kind of event work. I've definitely done auditions for that over, like, the last – probably the last time I did, like, an audition. Audition was, like, 10 years ago. But for that kind of work – um, but yeah, so mostly it's, it's, uh, word of mouth, you know, the, the, the social media thing is fun. Cause like, or funny cause I'm, like I said, I, I think I can attribute it to laziness on a certain mindset. <laughs> I'm just kind of have this weird, like, ah, oh, social media, but I'll freely admit that I think it's, it's a tool and it's arrived and we all have to use it. So, um, I do use it. I just kind of like. I'm not as prolific on it as as I as some people and as maybe I should because there's been times where I've like you know maybe I won't think about doing it for a, a chunk of time and then I'll, I'll have this I'll get a bug on my ass and be like yeah I need to post something I need people to remind people hey Matt Lester's playing drums yeah you know? and I'll post something that I think is you know cool or groovy and then sometimes I'll get I'll get calls. And I don't, I don't, I can't say for sure that's like, oh, that, it's never like someone random, but it's maybe you just popped up into their, into their mind because of that and they think of you. So I think that's a modern version of, I've talked to teachers of mine that, you know, they're from an era where there was no social media. So they used to just call people. Right. You know, I mean, do you, you know, Gary, who I studied with Gary Ferguson. Ferguson, yeah. Yeah. So I remember talking to Gary. So Gary Ferguson teaches it or taught at LA Music Academy, but he's just like a, you know, that I would call him like a legendary session guy. Maybe he's yeah. not the most household name, but that dude has played with so many people, and he's just such an awesome musician and great teacher. But yeah. um, uh, I remember him talking about like that's what he would do. Is like he would just like yeah, I just call people like hey man, how's it going? Oh man, me just hanging out. Oh, cool! Yeah, I'll play that gig. Like that's what they used to do. So I feel like the modern version of that is just like being active on social media and just being like, "Hey, here's me. I record." I or texting people too. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, for sure. A little more passive would be would be the social media yeah. thing. Or you text people, like, "Yo, let's let's you know." But um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um, I forgot I had a point about that. Um, we were talking about how how to get gigs and stuff. Uh, I don't remember. Not important. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll come back. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it is a tricky a tricky thing the the social media thing because you feel like you have to do it, but then you yeah. you see people some people that don't do it at all and still works. And for sure, for so sure. I think it's very individualized how you want to handle it. Um, 
depends. You know, if you're a household name, you don't need to use it, or you can totally go the grassroots thing, and you'll probably be fine. That said, you know, I think if we all think about it objectively, it's like it's a tool. It's a powerful tool. Yeah, it's up to you how you want to use it, and we all know the mental kind of dangers of it. That's just sure. the way it's set up. And so I've talked to different people about it. About like you know they go they talk about how they kind of you know sort of what's the word like sort of quarantine their time of how they use it because um, it doesn't really work like what I in my head I'm like oh you just post and then you just like delete the app you don't even you don't even engage and I I think I'm convinced that that doesn't work yeah anymore. that's hard you have to like engage with other people's as you should you shouldn't just take shouldn't just put stuff out like cool look at me and I'm not gonna like give a shit about anyone else that's not cool so it's everyone's got to kind of come to terms with it well but the point i had about getting gigs and you were talking about craigslist and just like you know what a weird there's so much sludge in craigslist you have to like sift through but you know cool things can sprout from there and like you said you got all this work through urban grass you're doing other kind of like jobs through that and it's like becomes this big deal um it's like that with gigs. You you right. might take some gig that on paper looks like a real shitty gig. <laughs> and you're right. like, I shouldn't do this. But then you never know. Sometimes those gigs, you meet someone, a, a really cool musician or a friend, and you just never know where these lines are going to lead. And I, I've, I've definitely done some cool things when I really think about, like, where did that come from? It, I've kind of gone back in time, be like, oh, from that really shitty gig right. that maybe I didn't want to do. So that's kind of the way it works, like in this town or bigger towns. I've heard a towns. ton of stories <laughs> like that, and I have them myself too, where it's like, like yeah, that you're at, you're like, ah, I I almost wasn't going to take that gig. I or it's it's a good lesson for just always presenting yourself professionally and doing yeah. your shit because oh yeah, uh, you never know if oh the keyboardist on that gig hooked me up with the best gig I ever had or whatever you know yeah um the the lines that it creates, you know, for different yeah. paths for different people. It's really super interesting and yeah. it's a good lesson for, yeah, just always show up and be a pro. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I totally 100% agree. And I, uh, I, you know, like everything is a lesson. So you learn some hard lessons where you're like, Oh, you know, this is like when I was younger, maybe you took some gig and you, it, you felt because of the situation or because of the money you were only going to put in X amount of work, which is, you know, valid. I guess it's people, everyone's going to decide how much they're going to work on a certain job, but it comes a point. It's like, you're playing in front of people. You're playing with other people. At a certain point, the the money you've taken the gig, the money really doesn't matter anymore. Now it's about like, do you want to a play good music, b you know sound good in front of other people? Yeah, because no one cares how much you got paid or how much time you had to prepare. They're just watching you, and they you don't want to be like, oh, uh, you know, they just called me last night and like. This gig only pays fifty bucks, so you know, like no one gives a shit about that. Totally, so it's kind of up to you. Like I don't like to sound bad, right? <laughs> so it doesn't matter if I'm getting what I'm getting paid. Like I want to sound, I want to play the music well. That's yeah. more enjoyable to me. Otherwise, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do it. Definitely. You know? So, that's yeah, that's great. that's a 
big deal. I think that's paid off for me in a bunch of ways over the years. That that mindset of just like show up prepared, show up as yeah. prepared as you can be. You know. <laughs> well, and and uh, I, I guess you could <laughs> you say this about any instrument, but I feel like drummers, not not to throw any shade at you personally, but yeah. oh, <laughs> but throwing shade now. <laughs> but I feel like drummers, uh, the work, the freelance drummers, not all of them, obviously, but uh, there there is a, a different mindset when showing up for a gig sometimes where they're learning new stuff. Because you don't have to learn notes. Sure, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's a lot of times you could get through a gig just knowing the groove totally. and the tempo and kind of have heard the song a couple times. Right. You know? Of all the instruments, obviously, yeah. the drums can do that. You can't do that with other... You'd be like, you're just playing the wrong notes and playing all these it, fucking clams. Right. Like, yeah. like, physically, I can't play drums. I... That's not something I can do. So mm -hmm. I'm. Not, I have not saying anything about the how the, the how hard no, it is to I'm play not, drums. I'm not, I'm not taking any offense. <laughs> I think you're totally right. And like I, you know, I would admit that to any of my friends. You know, however, when you know a song, that's where you can really be a drummer. You know, you can really be. You want to play music. Yeah. You know, you don't want to just just play beats. Like it doesn't matter you know you want to so as as far into the music or into said song you can be the better you know yeah and you can tell like you can tell when somebody's totally. really actually knows yeah the figure when there's figures dynamics when there's dynamics just like how to set things up it's huge yeah and it's so much more enjoyable i i I don't like not knowing the songs. I really, it's a pet peeve of mine. People go, hey man, you know the song? And you're like, no. And and they, they just go, oh, you played it anyways. And that said, I'm game. It's like, yeah, cool. Like, you know, listen, it, yeah. if you want to play something, I'll, I can, I'm pretty good about reacting and like following. Um, so I'm never going to be like, let's not do it. But I don't like just like, playing beats blindly and not knowing the song so that's where you know using your ears hopefully you know if it's a if it's a jazz thing you memorize the form the first time through or you know if it's a pop thing you can kind of suss it out but it's just so much more enjoyable to me to know the song at least like have a chart like i make my own charts all yeah. the time and you know it just it's so much more enjoyable just to play the song like as well as possible for all those reasons, dynamics, figures. It's like, I don't want to be the odd man out that's not playing music. <laughs> that fucking well, sucks. I like how you put that too. It's like the difference between just getting through it and yeah. it's fine and like making yeah, music. Yeah, making it great. Yeah. You know? Like really having something special. Exactly. So Exactly. I like that. Yeah, man. It's a good mindset. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you like set goals for your career at all or... Is that something you you think about? I think about it, but I don't. I'm not. I think I'll admit that I'm not the kind of person that like really says, "Okay, like I gotta tick off these things, and this is where I want to be in five years." I'm not saying that there's anything wrong. That I think that's probably a good exercise for yeah. accomplishing goals. Um, really, 
hasn't worked like that for me. And I bet a lot of freelance people would would say the same. It's just kind of like you things end up choosing you to a certain extent. Right. Now that said, sometimes you're going down that that path for a long time and you might be like, you know what? I'm feeling weird. I want I'm not playing the things I want to play. And then you have to be more proactive and you have to figure out a way to direct your career in a certain way. And so I think that's always a, a work in progress, you know? Um, so I think it's a it's like like all things, it's sort of this middle path of like, okay, you gotta, you know, as a freelancer, you're you're sort of at the whim of, you know being open to what comes your way and being open-minded about different styles and because you never know if you're closed-minded you only want to play one thing you're going to close off a lot of opportunities right but at the same time you can't you know you have to have an identity and the best even the best like session musicians like they do have an identity when they play in different songs like you're like oh that's so and so like they've got such a personality and that's why people hire them yeah you know so it's kind of a a mix, you know, as far as like looking forward, it's, it's, I don't know, it's kind of simple. It's sort of just like, I want to play with great musicians, obviously, you know, bigger artists, like yeah. that's always a goal, but it's not like, it's also not like, oh, I'm, I, I'm only getting happy when I get that. It's just like, I want to keep working hard and, and hopefully those things will come up. But that's all comes down to your hustle, and it's it's, there's, yeah. it's so much more than music, <laughs> right? So you know, it's about just staying open and and like being part of a community. Yeah, you know. Um, but there, you like the yeah. freelance thing, like you you have no plans to to pivot at all. It, you you like this? I mean, if if path, yeah, I do like it. I I'm not tired of it. I I, yeah. I like it. That said. If there was a full-time band situation that was great, I would love to do that. Yeah. And there's bands that I play with that if it was full-time, I would love to to you know have that be my main thing. Settle down. <laughs> yeah, or just like, you know, be, be able to make a commitment, yeah. you know, but it's it's hard when you're make, trying to make a living to to make a hard line of a commitment. Um, right. But I would love, you know, I just, just, you know, that just hasn't happened for me. And I think that's a rarity in today's music landscape, you know, just because of the business of, yeah. of the recording business. Like there's, there's not a lot, there's very few, far more fewer full-time gigs um, available. <laughs> so at least but, right now, yeah. yeah, if some, but if something came up and it was like a really cool band situation and I felt artistically you know, fulfilled by doing it and having that be my main thing. I would love to do that. It'd be totally cool, you know. And then there's the recording thing, which is like a big deal, you know. Yeah. I want to do more of, as far as goals, I want to do more remote tracking. Yeah. You know, I've definitely done a good amount of that, especially during the pandemic. Everything ramped up, but uh, things have dried down a little bit because, of, you know, everyone kind of got busy-ish again uh, with other stuff. But that's definitely like just kind of a personal goal of mine. Like I just want to like get better at recording and especially home recording and do more of that kind of work, you know. That's cool. Yeah. Do you have anything in the pipeline right now, like uh, any projects or – 
For me, things are, pre- are a little drier on the gig front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was curious if, if you have, like, current projects you're, you're working on or anything. I mean, gigging up? is fairly, has gotten back to being fairly busy for me, which is nice, nice as far as just, like, blue-collar, being yeah. a working drummer, yeah. doing all kinds of gigs around town and some fly dates, like, you know, uh, everything from, like, Private events, which which I do, and is, is a great way, to, you know, to to make money and and, and make music with really good musicians. Yeah. Uh, um, and then you know, different kind of singer songwriter stuff, working around town, and just other kind of little, like you said, the tabula rasa thing, another little kind of jazz, more jazz improv type of stuff is happening. Um, as far as projects, like the last thing that, as far as like. I would say it's like a project that I'm involved in. Um, that bad Roses Pawn Shop, who we were talking about the Alaska tours with, um, we recently re- recorded a full length album, nice, like a few months back. Um, and so that's still getting the finishing touches put on it, but that's going to come out soon. I don't know the title, what's going to be the title yet. <laughs> that's still coming up, but um, that's. That will be coming out soon, and uh, and there will be kind of a campaign of like uh, supporting that album. So that's kind of like as far as something creative that I'm involved in. That's kind of what's nice. going, to, going to be happening in the nearest future. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Let me know when it comes out, and we'll I'll, I'll blast it on the, cool. the Instagram. Cool. Yeah, I think it should be cool. <laughs> like that, like that band. Like I've played with off and on for years, and was just you know never recorded with them and then during the pandemic you know it was it, we just had time to like get together and really kind of work on songs as a band and like sort of tr- try to think outside the box drumming wise for that style of music which is like americana trying to like be like, okay this is a train beat but how do we make it not sound so like keep that same feel but make it more Unique. you know in- interesting and more have it more of a yeah. a shape around the kit or there was a couple of things where like this is in seven. How do we play a train? <laughs> like, oh <laughs> fuck! Like, so I had to, you know, those kind of problem solving things when it comes to recording music or, or cool. arranging was this fun. So yeah, it was a fun album to be part of. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, man. Do you have any of these uh, any of these stories we didn't get to that you want to? Oh uh, man, let me. Yeah, here. <laughs> Uh, this is this might be a, a cool one just to 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 say you know wrap up or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so playing this jazz jam session, I was in the house band with my my buddy Rocco Prosciutti, bass great bass player, and we used to he used to do this uh, straight ahead you know jazz jam session at this place called Godmother's Saloon in San Pedro. If anyone's ever been there, it's a cool, cool like just dive bar in San Pedro. I kind of love San Pedro. It's got its like own cool vibe in LA. Um, but yeah, I used to go down there. I'm like, sure, I'll go do it, and you know, play some jazz and people sitting in, you know. And so I used to work with him over the years, doing here and there, doing those kind of gigs, and you know, we're playing all the standard fare, you know. Just straight ahead stuff. So we we might have been playing, I don't know, when this thing happened that I'm about to talk about, like 
Green Dolphin Street or something. You know, just the most like straight ahead, like chill jazz music. <laughs> but it's San Pedro. San Pedro's kind of kind of gritty. It's like it's got its own thing. It's a little yeah. gritty, you know. <laughs> At one point, I don't really know if I smelt it or something, but like everyone starts clearing out of this bar, <laughs> right? Everyone starts leaving. I'm like, what the what the hell happened? Apparently, someone got pe- like maced. They someone used some mace or some pepper spray or I think it's actually mace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like someone mace, and I guess by law, like at an establishment, if someone gets mace, you have to call the cops. It's like a thing I, oh, I wow. found out through this experience. Like, <laughs> you gotta call the cops, and then you gotta shut down your business. It's like, it's a thing. Wow. So it was like, you know, we're playing straight ahead tune, just easy swing, and then all of a sudden, mace <laughs> incident, and like the whole everyone gets kicked out. The cops come, and it was just this real surreal experience because you know I've played. So many different kites, types of gigs over the years, like <laughs> punk bands, gar- p- super punk, garagey clubs, like music that would have been way more appropriate for Mace. <laughs> for a Mace. Yeah. But literally playing on Green Dolphin Street, Street, and someone gets Mace, it was just like, wow, okay. We're really inciting people with this this jazz music. Right, here. yeah. I'm sure it was the music. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, yeah. It was probably the brushes. I was getting a little too frenetic. You know, you did you finish the song? Playing, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I hope we did. I hope we were like, no, 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 no. We still got, we're still living. You're all crying by the end yeah, of it? Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, they're really getting into There's, it. We've got to do the three, the turnaround three times. You know, this is, this is important. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, another one of those just like, Wow. Like, <laughs> like, really? This is my life? Yeah, yeah, this is my life. And that's, dude, that's, like, these gig stories, being a musician, you know, so many of these things happen. If you if you do it long enough, not that you want them to happen. A lot of times you just want to, like, do your job and have everything be chill, but <laughs> and you'd have nothing to talk about on podcasts. Exactly, so. <laughs> exactly. It, it always becomes a good story, something to look back on. So totally. I appreciate you telling, yeah, telling man. that. Was a, that's a good one. Yeah. Might yeah. use that for the clip. Yeah, that's, that's, someone's got to write a song, jazz mace or something. Yeah, maced on Dolphin <laughs> yeah, Street. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Perfect. So, that's awesome, Matt. Well, yeah. in just to wrap up, uh, it, what are you listening to these days? Ooh, good point. Um, I don't know about you, but as I get older and I, you know, I, I'm playing a lot of music, so it's like the amount of music that I can listen to, it gets a little narrowed. <laughs> yeah. So I tend to like, I, I get, I'll get like really obsessed with like an album or like a song at a time. Yeah. So the, the my, and this is not even anything new. It's just like an album that over the past like year, I've just been wearing out um, is um, Rhythm of the Saints by Paul Simon. Okay. Are you up to that album? No, I'm gonna have to. It's not even just like no drum set on it. I don't think that there might be like even some, better some like light snare. <laughs> yeah, even better. No, it's just like all this amazing percussion and African cool. percussionists. It's just crazy, this crazy groove going nice. on with this this per, just percussion, you know. And so that's a truly amazing album. I can't uh, recommend that one enough. Sweet. Um, what else? I've really been into sort of as far as like more modern stuff, but but it's it's modern in a kind of retro style. It's like, I do you like that band Lettuce? I do. I love Lettuce. Yeah, I love Adam Deitch as a drummer. You know, I just and I just love that band. So I tend to like listen to them a lot and 
shed some of that stuff. I got into them fairly recently, actually. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I recognized some songs that you know I didn't realize was yeah. was them. But yeah, I've been I actually going heavy into lettuce. Yeah, the dude. Last, uh, six months or so. I think so. you know they. It's a tall order, like the modern funk thing, because yeah. you're you know you're sort of like paying homage to these this these styles that took place decades ago. And if you, it's like an interesting style. Styles are like that when they're really elemental. Like if you fuck with them too much, then it's like, you're like, what are you adding to this? But right. I feel like a band like Led's like, they really do a good job of like doing their, a modern thing with it, but staying true enough to the roots that makes it it's still super funky and like yeah. got all, everything you, you want out of it. So I like it's that. pretty dope. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. Sweet, man. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks for doing this. Dude, this thank you. Fun. This is super fun. Yeah. This, uh, thank you so much for having me on and like anytime, man. My pleasure. I yeah. hope you get some more. Is you know, happy to be your first podcast. Yeah. And hope you get more. My maiden voyage on the right. podcast. Yeah. Uh, you know, I probably told all my <laughs> stories. So hopefully they don't want any more stories or just like I'll make stuff I'll make up stuff. You'll get some more <laughs> stories. You gig enough here. You'll have to I think we you know, we also like uh, I think a lot of people come out and they're, they're like, I know I have stories, but I don't remember them. It was you know? helpful that you were like, hey, man, maybe think of a few. Because yeah. when people, it's like when someone asks me, hey, what kind of music you like? I'm like, uh, your brain just goes you into just overload. Down, you yeah. go, I don't like music. I don't, I'm not into it. <laughs> yeah, actually, you, you say, I don't like music. You throw something in their face and you run away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Throw your coffee. I'm out. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, yeah. Thanks so much. It was my pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Bye. All right. Bye. Later. Bye.